The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, we continue our series on the Kingdom of God, where we've begun by looking at the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Today, we are looking at Article 6, which states that we believe that God's elect shall be called and regenerated and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Of course, the new birth is what's under consideration here. In the world, we hear all kinds of messages designed to get a dead alien sinner to make a decision to get born again. But as we believe here at Zion Church, and as we'll see in this message today, the new birth must precede all spiritual action on the part of a child of God. Join us today and tomorrow as we examine this topic of the new birth or regeneration from a biblical perspective, where we'll see that the new birth is solely and wholly of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
turn with me to Titus, the third chapter, please. We're going to begin reading in verse 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. This morning I want us to turn to the sixth article of faith here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. And that article of faith reads as follows. We believe that God's elect shall be called and regenerated and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now what we've read in Titus is not, I suppose, normally the place that we go to talk about the new birth. But as I was studying for this message, I began to see this. I kept coming back to this, these verses. And I noticed that there's some really rich truths here that apply directly to our topic this morning. Notice that it said that there was a time when we were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, and so forth. And then there was a time when something happened to us. And that's what I want to preach to you about this morning, the Lord being our helper. You see, we've already talked about the doctrine of election, how that God knew his, foreknew his people and chose them in Christ before the foundation of the world. We've already talked about the doctrine of justification and how that we are justified by grace alone, by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in the courtroom of heaven. We talked about a couple of other justifications last time, but, uh, but the, the one that, that is the most significant, I suppose you would say for us, is the fact that Jesus Christ justified us through his sacrifice on the cross. And now we've come to a, a point where really and truly we might ought to have started here. Because you see, the vital relationship between God and His children doesn't begin until they are born again. Okay? And I understand what I said, not the relationship. The relationship began before the foundation of the world from God toward His people. But from the perspective of His people, from our perspective... We have no relationship with God until we are born of the Spirit. And our vital relationship, in other words, the fact that we are able to have fellowship with God does not begin until we are born again. It is truly the beginning of our spiritual walk with God. So let's talk about the new birth because that is our article of faith that we're dealing with, we believe that the children of God, God's elect children, will be called and regenerated and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. In other words, we believe that every single one that was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and whom Jesus came to die for on the cross, every single one of them at some time between conception and death will be regenerated or born again. So let's talk about, I want to talk about where we were. I 
And I want to talk about what we needed. I want to talk about how we got it. And I want to talk about what we have. So that's kind of an outline of the way I want us to approach this today, the Lord willing. We may not finish it today, and if we don't, we'll come back to it next time. So let's talk about where we were, and we'll just look back here where Titus begins. Titus says in chapter 3 and verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Does that remind you of any other scripture that we go to quite a bit? What about Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1? You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Just for the sake of getting it just right, let's turn back over there. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world... According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, Paul is writing this here to the Ephesians, and he wrote this other to, Timoth uh, to Titus, where he says basically the same thing. He said, there was a time when we were foolish, we were disobedient, deceived, and so forth and so on. It sounds a lot like being dead in trespasses and in sins, doesn't it? And by the way, dead is really dead. <laughs> dead is really dead. What does it mean to be dead? Well, it means that there is no ability to operate in the realm to which you're dead. You know, again, the Lord is using terms that we would understand. He's not trying to hide it. He's not trying to obscure it from us. He uses the term dead in trespasses and in sins or spiritually dead in order for us to get the idea that we really are dead. <laughs> and, and so you think about what it means to be dead from the standpoint of, of the physical life. What, what does it mean to be dead physically? It means that you can't op operate in the physical realm. There is no stimulus, physical stimulus, that will awaken you. There is no physical stimulus that will prick you or harm you or, or cause you to react in any way. And likewise, in the spiritual realm, there is no spiritual stimulus that will cause you to react in any way when you are spiritually dead. Dead in trespasses and in sins. Back over in Romans, the eighth chapter, he describes the carnal mind, that is the one who has only a mind that is focused upon the flesh and nature as being at enmity against God. Notice in chapter eight and verse five, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, okay? If you only have a fleshly nature, this is where you are. You are one of those that is after the flesh. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So there's here a flesh and a spirit component here that he's talking about. And those who have never been born of the spirit only have the fleshly component. And so that fleshly component, that fleshly nature minds only the things of the flesh. That is only the things that he can see and touch and feel and experience from a natural standpoint. In verse 6 he says, for to be carnally minded is death. 
to be carnally minded. That means the word carnal there has to do with the flesh. It's talking about focusing upon this physical world. And to be carnally minded is death. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, he talks about the natural man. That is the one that's only been born in nature. Same thing here. He's one who is carnally minded and that is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And here's the reason that to be carnally minded is death. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Notice what he says. Here is a carnally minded man. He has no spiritual mind. The only thing that a carnally minded man can do is be at enmity with God. Because there's nothing within his carnal mind or in his carnal nature that is subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can it be. You see, we're going to see here at some point in this message, maybe next time, if not today, we're going to see that there is a that in the new birth, God writes His laws into the hearts and minds of His people. He writes His laws into the hearts and minds. That's what the new birth is all about. But here we see one that is not subject to the law of God, Neither indeed can be. Not, not that he won't be. He certainly won't be because he's not interested. He's only carnally minded looking at the things around him and trying to please the flesh. But neither indeed can he be. He cannot do it. You know, as I've said many times, we're in such condition that we would not come to him if we could and we could not come to him if we would. And that's a terrible situation to be in. I, under, I realize that most of the teaching in the world today is geared toward a carnally minded person trying to get them to make some kind of decision or pray some kind of prayer to get them to change from carnal mindedness to spiritual mindedness. But see, I look at it this way and all of the things that the Armenian world teaches that, that, a, that a sinner has to do in order to get saved eternally most all of them are things that a sinner ought to do because he has been saved eternally. So I don't discount the good works and the prayers and all. That's wonderful. We need to be praying. We need to be doing good works. But the problem is we are carnally minded until we're born of the Spirit. So I think about it like a timeline. Like a timeline. You used to see those timelines, number lines when we were in school. Somewhere on that timeline of a child of God's life is repentance, okay? Somewhere on that timeline is, is a, a spirit of faith, at least to some extent. It may not be complete as it should be, but somewhere on there are some good works, okay? And somewhere on there is the new birth. The problem is with the world is that most of the time, the world gets the new birth out of order, Repentance and prayer and all that precedes the new birth. But beloved, I want to just remind you that all action must be preceded by life. A baby does not cry in order to get born. A baby cries because he's been born. And all of these good works and all the repentance that we all ought to be doing has to be preceded by life. Let me throw this out here for whatever it's worth. You ever wonder why every child of God doesn't just immediately grasp the fact that his new birth is completely of God? 
Well, I believe there's a reason God calls it what it is. He calls it a new birth. Now, there's also uh, places he calls it a new creation. He calls it regeneration. But in very prominent ways and very prominent passages in the scripture, he calls it a new birth. In fact, you remember in John chapter 3, he talks about being born again to Nicodemus. And the reason he does that is because Nicodemus would understand that. And we will understand that. He doesn't use terms that try, tries to obscure the truth. He uses terms that, tries, that he's trying to reveal truth to us. So think about this. Think about the physical, natural birth. Does a newborn baby fully understand everything about how he was conceived and born from the moment that he was born? <laughs> I don't think so. There's a period of time where that child has to grow. Now, during the time the child is growing, he's already alive or he wouldn't be growing. But he doesn't understand everything. Sometimes it's frustrating for us who see the truth of grace and, and believe that the Bible teaches that it's all of God. Sometimes, in, especially in years past, I would get frustrated when I would try to explain that to people. Uh, sometimes people close to me and I'd get frustrated about that they don't see it uh, as I see it so clearly in the scriptures. But you see, it's like a newborn baby has to grow and has to be taught. And sometimes the baby's taught the wrong things. You know, there were generations upon generations that were taught that the world was flat. And they grew up believing the world was flat. It didn't make the world flat. The, the world's always been an orb. It's always been uh, round. Uh, in fact, you can read in the scriptures and it talks about the circle of the earth. <laughs> but you see, people were taught wrong. And by the way, that is our job as a church. That is our job as children of God is to try to help those who, are, who don't see the truths that are in the scriptures to help them unlearn some things, maybe that they've been taught, and to learn the things that are the truth. Hey, didn't you have to do that? Didn't I have to do that? Aren't there things, can you look back in your life and say, oh, well, I've always been right on everything. <laughs> I can tell you that that's not the case. Much as I'd like to claim it is, it's not the case. You see, we've been wrong and have had to learn some things. See, there's a time of growing and learning that's required. So that brings us from where we were to what we needed. And I want to really kind of flip that a little bit and talk about what we don't need. <laughs> what we don't need. We didn't, what we did not need was to be given something to do in order to get born again. See, there's a reason, as I said earlier, that he used the word dead to describe our spiritual state before the new birth. Dead gives us an idea of what we were. If you will, turn with me back over to the book of Ecclesiastes just for a moment. Because I believe, again, the Lord is giving us uh, scripture to back up everything that we believe uh, if, it's, if it's correct. And he uses the term dead and he defines what it means to be dead back over in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 from a physical standpoint. Now listen to this. In chapter 9 and verse 4, the writer here says, For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope. And you know, that's one of the, the brightest characteristics of being a child of God, is it not? That we have hope. We have a spiritual hope. If we have spiritual life, we have a spiritual hope. Hope is a fruit of the Spirit. Well, notice from a physical standpoint even, there is hope from a, in the physical realm. He says, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. If you're a physically alive, and even if you're sick, there's still hope that you might get better. 
And he says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. I like that. That's kind of, I don't want to go down the rabbit trail too far, but you know, the lion is the king of the jungle. And uh, you ever seen those uh, National Geographic shows about the, the, the African savanna over there and how that uh, uh, they have packs of wild dogs and those things are nasty, man. They don't look, they're not, they're not majestic. They're not cute like the little dogs we have over here. They're wild, nasty, mangy, mean dogs. And, uh, and, and you see one of those dogs and then you see one of those lions. It's the king of the jungle, the king, the king of the savanna over there. And, and it's so majestic when it roars and those dogs just yip and yap and they, they're just annoying in the way they sound. But every once in a while, you'll find a situation where one of those old lions has died and the pack of dogs comes and feeds upon that carcass. And here's the thing that, I'm, that the Lord is making a point here about, that even though that's the king of the jungle, he's dead. <laughs> he's laying there dead. And a living dog, as ugly and annoying as it might be, is a lot better than a dead lion. A lot more... There's, there's more hope. I, there's more uh, even beauty, if you will, because when, when, a, when a lion dies and, and the decomposition process, it's not pretty, you see. But there's still life with a living dog. So a living dog is better than a dead lion. Now look at verse 5. For the living know that they shall die. The living have sense. They understand things. But the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Now I realize he's talking about physical death here, but notice the primary characteristic of physical death that he calls our attention to. The dead know not anything. Well, beloved, there's a reason, as I've said already, that the Lord used the term spiritual death or dead in trespasses and sins to describe our state spiritually. Because just like the physically dead know not anything, the, from a physical standpoint, the spiritually dead know not anything from a spiritual standpoint. So, think about what a dead man can do. Think about what a physically dead man is able to accomplish work-wise or action-wise. And, and that's a silly question because he can't do anything, can he? Nobody out here in this graveyard is able to function in the physical realm or do anything. And the point is, is that we did not need to be given something to do at the point before we were born again. We did not need to be given something to do to get born again because the problem is we couldn't have done it. We couldn't have done it. And in fact, anything we did from a physical, natural standpoint, we're told in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 that it's just filthy rags. Even if it was something that on the face of it looks good, maybe you gave to charity, maybe you gave to your church, maybe you helped a neighbor out, but all of that's filthy rags when it comes to our eternal redemption. We did not need to be given something to do at this point because we couldn't have done it. And I want to say this, we did not need to be given a prayer to pray at this point. Now that begs the question, let me just say this, it's obvious, it should be obvious to us, that praying a prayer is doing something. You know, oftentimes people say, well, you don't have to do anything, just pray this prayer. You don't have to do anything, just accept Jesus. You don't have to do anything, just believe. All the things you're telling me there are things to do. They're things we have to do. You say, well, it's a mental operation. Let me ask you something. You ever had a desk job? 
I've had a desk job. I've worked out on the farm many, many years, but I've worked at a desk many, many years, and there are times when I'd rather be out working on the farm because the desk job was more taxing to me. I'd be more tired and more worn out trying to make decisions, trying to wrestle with a problem in my mind. That's work. <laughs> That's work. Aside from the biological fact that when your thoughts go through your brain, the neurons and the axons emit some kind of electrical activity. They emit some kind of energy, which is the definition of work. But my point is, is that all these things are works, but, but let's go past that and just talk about the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer. I know you've heard that term, and um, we hear it a lot on, in the evangelical Christian world. Now, I looked it up. It's Wikipedia, but it was a pretty good definition, I thought, of what the term refers to in the evangelical Christian world. And according to Wikipedia, it's referring to any prayer of repentance prayed by individuals who feel convinced of the presence of sin in their lives and have the desire to form or renew a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it concludes by saying it is a popular prayer in evangelical circles. And I know you've heard the term, the sinner's prayer. And just to go a little further, I did a little more looking up and probably the the one preacher who has promoted the sinner's prayer more than any other is Billy Graham. I, I want to use his words to share with you what the world considers to be the sinner's prayer. And that sinner's prayer is the prerequisite to being born again according to the, relig the religious world. In other words, a dead alien sinner who has no spiritual life must pray this prayer in order to be born again and to get spiritual life. And this is a direct quote uh, from Billy Graham. Dear, this is the sinner's prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you've died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I took that directly from... Uh, a YouTube video of Billy Graham praying that prayer. So I got it right. I got it verbatim. So what about praying a sinner's prayer in order to become born again? Well, if this is the sinner's prayer, there's a little problem with it. The first part of that prayer says, I know that I'm a sinner. Okay? Well, you remember what we just said about the dead. Physically, the dead know not anything. Spiritually, the dead know not anything. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, we read about the natural man. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. For they are spiritually discerned. Beloved, there is no greater spiritual truth than recognizing that you are a sinner. The fact that you are a sinner is a spiritual truth from the scriptures here. We've spent several sermons, I believe it was, and certainly over the course of the last 11 years, we spent several sermons talking about the depravity of man, how that we are dead in trespasses and in sins, how that we are sinners in need of a Savior. But that is a truth that the, the unregenerate don't know <laughs> because it's a spiritual truth. 
and the natural man can't receive that. There's several other problems. I believe you died for my sins. Well, that's faith. You know what I read about in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22? I read in Galatians, let's just turn over there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. We read, the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what emanates from the Spirit. The Spirit, you don't have this apart from the Spirit. Fruit doesn't bear the tree. The tree bears the fruit. Remember that. And so the, if you, only after you have the Spirit can you have the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faith. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Notice what we see here. Believing, having faith is something that is the fruit of the Spirit. And all the rest of the prayer is the result of one having been born again, but not the prerequisite to one being born again. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 